When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to a tribe supper, and this is a bit of a, di- a diversion because Dom Shaw's not here, um, so I'm in well, the. He showed uh, you where the button. Is. He showed me which button to press, and uh, this is a bit like one of those games when you've qualified for a major tournament, you're just resting some of your superstars. It's a bit so like the Ipswich match. It's exactly like the Ipswich <laughs> match. So you join myself, Philip Talentire, uh, Chris Garbert, and Anthony Vickers. We're all looking forward to Millwall at the weekend, but I think first of all we're going to talk about. Um, sorry, Millwall. Uh, t- we're all looking forward to Ipswich at the weekend. You can see I'm new to this. Um, and uh, we're going to look back quickly at Millwall first of all. Um, Vic, I'll start with you. Uh, the game itself, when you look back and reflect on it a little bit, it kind of feels like that was in a, a textbook performance and result in a game you had to win. You, nobody was biting the nails. I don't think anybody was really, once the first goal went in, and certainly when the second goal went in, it didn't feel like there was any reason why Bury should be con- you know, concerned. I thought they were very professional. It wasn't a classic match, was it? But um, what does that say about a team going into the playoffs? Uh, I think it says that the, the balance is right. The team's got uh, a good confidence about them. They're playing with a bit of swagger. There's a steal there. Uh, I think it's worth pointing out that Millwall were a bit flat. I think they probably expected a bit more than them. They, they put a, f- a few long balls into the box. I think you got to them a bit. They, they, you know, suddenly, they, suddenly from being the underdogs with nothing to play for, nothing to lose, that they did have something to lose, didn't I think, they? I think Borough did a very effective job on them in the first 10 minutes. And Ayala grappled with uh, Steve Morrison. And I think Millwall very quickly realised that they're their game plan wasn't working mm. and they didn't really have a lot else and Borough just put a stranglehold on the game in the end I think Borough could have had another couple of goals it yeah. wouldn't have been a major injustice uh, for me the important thing is that it kept that run going uh, you know we came away from the Sheffield United game thinking why is it that Borough can't beat the sides up and around them and then they've, they've rattled off three very good solid mm. wins in high pressure situations and they've delivered exactly uh, what was required at the right time and I don't think you can ask anything more than going into the playoffs with that kind of momentum that kind of confidence and that kind of form. Do you think, I'm going to say, Chris, that's three wins out of four going into the playoffs. Uh, sorry, going into the playoffs, although we obviously expect Borough to get a result against Ipswich as well. Um, you know, we celebrate that but do you think that should have come sooner? Do, well, getting in the playoffs. Well, picking up more wins. You know, it, it's taken a while for that run of form that we've demanded, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, at the beginning of the season, we all expected us. Um, this, this was a minimum expectation, wasn't it? What we've got now, so um, it's arrived a little later than 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 we expected and hoped. But I think um, there were signs. You know, I'd say over the last two months that Borough were starting to get where they needed to be. Um, couple of little blips like you said Sheffield United and, and so on um, but I think the last the last three games Borough have, have been accomplished they've been professional they've gone about the business in, in, in a really a good way um, I mean I, I, after that Derby game well, I, I thought Derby was the best performance of the season 
Um, and I was hoping that it was, you know, we were going to be able to follow that up against Millwall on Saturday. And I was a little bit wary that, you know, are we, are we then going to get another Sheffield United? But I thought Borough dealt with Millwall um, in, in emphatic fashion, really. Um, I think Borough could have stepped up and gone, gone and got more had they needed to. Bear in mind that, you know, they're a team that have lost one in 18. Yeah. So they've obviously got a lot going for them, Millwall. Um, Millwall were poor on the day, but I think 90% of that is because Borough were excellent. Nullified everything that they do well. Um, and exploited their weaknesses. So um, we go into the playoffs now on the back of three huge wins, yeah. like Vic said. Uh, I think it has to be pointed out that Borough's form actually has been really good for several months now. Mm. Uh, they've lost two out of 17. Yeah. So it's two out of 14. <laughs> and that's two Wolves, who are the, the runaway leaders of the division, mm. and a Sheffield United side that were really good in that first half. So, and, and all right, they're setbacks and they're disappointing. And some of the games haven't been brilliant. You know, Burton was stodgy. Yeah. Uh, Brentford wasn't brilliant. But we know it's that kind of division. Mm. And, and Borough have put together now a really long, good run over the course of two months, mm. three months. And you've got to take the strengths from that. Um, talking about, we'll talk about the potential playoff um, opponents uh, in a moment. But uh, first of all, Chris, um, those scenes after the match, you know, you were in the stands, you were watching it from a fan's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you make of it? Were you surprised it happened? And if so, what were your thoughts on the fact that it did happen? Um, in the lead-up to the game, um, midway, I think it was Thursday, um, the club published something on the website to say, don't do it. And I think that that put the seed into fans fans' minds that, that they were going to do it. Yeah. I don't think the, the, the build-up... and I don't Does that think excuse it, though? No, it doesn't excuse it at all. No, I mean, it's mindless for me. There's no reason we've not achieved anything. We're not promoted yet. Um, you know, at the beginning of the season, if you'd have said that you're going to finish fifth, that you're going to run on the pitch and celebrate that, then I would imagine that you wouldn't. So the club asks people not to do it, and, and that should be a deed too. I don't, I don't see any reason why they should have. Um, if, if there was something to celebrate, i.e. Brighton at home, you know, I, I understand why people do that, but I just don't think there's any need need for it. I think um, it look, made us look a little bit a little bit small time. I think there's still a job to do. There's no need to be jumping up and down and celebrating anything just yet. Um, I think what made it worse was the, the, the going over to the Millwall fans and goading them. That, that was ugly and there was no need for that. There's almost two parts to it, Vic, isn't there? When you, when you first saw the first fans coming, a lot of them were like kids just wanting to maybe grab a selfie with Adama Traore or, mm. or whoever was left on the pitch at the time. Uh, which, while it shouldn't happen, you can kind of maybe explain it away. When when lads of 18, 19, 20, whatever the word, yeah. start start going on the pitch and going Throwing across... Missiles as well. You know, and I'm not, I'm not absorbing the Millwall fans in this, but to be fair, they did stay in their section, whatever else they did wrong. Yeah. Well, I don't have a moral position against pitch invasion. I think pitch invasions are great fun mm. at the right time. And, yeah. and throughout history, you know, we, we've got lots of footage of great moments in the club's history where... Yes. 5,000 people on the pitch mm. and you know I'll be quite honest and say I've been on the pitch myself a few times but it wasn't um, when it wasn't for, for no, a, it's just to, to celebrate great moments yeah. in history because you want to be in yeah. there and it's the club and the, and the fans are together and it's a great you know it's, it's, so, it's yeah, an at, achievement at that point we knew that there was another home game at yeah. so uh, that, that's the thing that, that I find totally bemusing that even five minutes from the end while there were teenagers kind, you know, obviously getting ready to go on there was Thousands of people streaming out of the the, the, yeah. the game. The, the, the game was over, and they were leaving with two minutes well, to well, go. It wasn't a game. It, where it wasn't. Well, there wasn't. You couldn't say there was a, 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 a adrenaline flowing. You couldn't say that there was a really 
gleeful, joyful moment at the end. Yeah. But that it was the wasn't point, relief, wasn't it? it wasn't celebration, it was just completely routine. And it's not even the last home run. I mean, the thing was, Burr had done the job so well mm. that people thought, well, this is game over, I'm going home, I'm going to get, get, a, get, a, get a flyer from the car park or get back to wherever, wherever they've parked there, there the car. There was cars. none of the emotional no. intensity around the, the kind of game where you'd expect a pitch. The last couple of minutes of Brighton, as such, yeah. you know, like, mm. I know. But, you know, I'm going back to the initial point I made, I don't think there was... A, I wonder whether there would have been as many people do it, and I, and I wonder whether you know the the, the, the the people would have actually run on if the club didn't broadcast it. Do you not think that's a bit of a pathetic the... excuse? Though. I don't think it's an excuse. It's like, it's like somebody saying you shouldn't have road signs on the road because no. otherwise you would you, you wouldn't speed if you didn't know it was. You I'm, know, I'm, I'm not saying it's an excuse. I'm not, I'm not excusing it in any way. It's wrong. No, but that, that excuse has got traction this week. I've heard a lot of people oh, oh, say. I think that because maybe two. Two or three out of the last four seasons, the the the, the season has ended mm. in that way, you know, Brentford and Brighton, and it kind of almost, almost becomes like a habit that mm. if you've achieved something, and maybe the bar's been set so low that they finish think finishing fifth when you're the pre-season mm. favourites is reason to celebrate. Yeah. I mean, for me, they haven't won anything. Yeah. I mean, the two, what, what the, the two concerns for me are, are, are fan safety and player safety. I'm, one of these days, a player is going to get seriously injured by one mad fan, and I'm not saying it's going to happen here, but it could happen at any club at any time. And the more pitch invasions you have, the more chances there is of that happening. Mm. And uh, you know, that, that the, the other the other worry for me is that is the the potential. Uh, punishment the club gets um, that, that, is, that is you know it, in, in the same way that I totally get that things like flares look fantastic from, 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 from when you're not sat next to one mm-hmm. you know and they add atmosphere but there are there are health and safety issue yeah. and they're not they're, you're not my, allowed to my have my main them, problem so. here is that politically this is the worst thing that could have happened because the clubs are just starting to move towards an acceptance of safe standing mm. and the last thing we want to do is give the clubs or the authorities an excuse, a counter-argument mm. to say, look, this is why we need to be mm. uh, heavily stewarded. We can't trust fans. Uh, I think it, there's a responsibility for fans. You know, if you're, if you're mm. saying, you know, we can be trusted in, in, in the yeah. stadium, you know, we know what the, what the boundaries are, uh, it's very hard to, to advance that argument. If, you, if the police... And the clubs can turn around and say, we have a potential problem. I mean, without over-egging this conversation, we'll end it shortly. But one of the points I made, and probably Vic would, would remember this a bit more than maybe you would, Chris, just, just, just for reasons that we were around at that time, and you're probably a little bit young to remember it. But after the Hillsborough disaster, most of the clubs almost overnight took their fences down and, and, and left gates open. And it, was, and there was, it felt like there was a tacit understanding between supporters and the authorities that, hang on, it went too far... You stay where you are. We'll we'll make sure that you're safe. Mm. We'll leave these gates open. We'll take the fences down. And for five, ten, fifteen years, it kind of was an. Un- I don't know what you think, Vic. I, f- I felt it was a kind of an unwritten ruling between both sides that you know, yes, leave the fences down. We'll stay off the pitch. Um, and it, it feels like I think Vic's got a really good point there. It feels like fans we, are are trusted to behave a certain way and any time they step out of line sometimes unfairly they're they're pilloried by the authorities and and, and, and people in the press like myself probably as well so you don't want to be overly harsh on fans there are times like you say when it's okay to to celebrate like it's the it's the greatest thing that's ever happened you know the the obvious example being Wigan 1987 well the most recent example is Brighton there was no objections from the club 
No objection from the mm. police. No announcement from the PA saying, "Please get off the pitch," because everyone recognised it was yeah, a great yeah, moment. It, it, it was the uh, it was the accumulation of mm. so much emotion mm. that, and it, it pinnacled at that point when it was you know desperately close mm. at the end of the game, seconds away from promotion. What we can't afford as fans is, is for, for people is for people who are against fans' rights, supporters' rights, to be able to point to a moment like that and say, "Look." The confrontation yeah, the there with yeah, the Millwall yeah, yeah. fans, yeah. and then what you get is you get the pitch invasion, which mm. c- which can be a, a great moment of celebration, mm. conflated with a public order issue mm. and a hooliganism issue, mm. and the two things aren't the same. Mm. Mm. But it, it is the responsibility mm. of fans to not let the authorities be in that position to to just you know do a broad brush uh, uh, punishment of fans and say, look, this is this is what has to stop, and this mm. is why. And, and you know, if you get repeated instances, and if you mentioned someone might get chinned, uh, mm. you will get some politicians saying not only is, is safe standing no go, mm. some people will be suggesting return offences. Mm. Mm. I mean, there, there was no, there was not just just to finalise that. There was no that game against Brighton. There was no Gordon of the Brighton fans, was there? No, no. you know, no. because well, they could have exactly. Been. What's what I'm why saying? Whereas now, I think they got onto the pitch, the fans, and the, the sort of went right. We're on. And they looked about and went, well, there's nothing really to celebrate here. Other than and celebrate yeah, other, for the sake other, of it. Yeah other, yeah, other than we've won the game, let's go and take the mick out of the, the Millwall fans. So. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, uh, we've, we've named our B team for today's uh, Tripe Supper, but uh, <laughs> should, <laughs> should, um, should our beloved manager, Tony Pulis, ring the changes at Portman Road on Sunday, Vic? Uh, for me, no. I think you need to keep the winning run going. I think you need to get momentum. Mm. Uh, I think if you make too many changes, you might disrupt the rhythm. Uh, obviously, you know there may be one or two that are carrying little niggles that maybe you, know, you, you give them a rest. Mm. But I, I think, especially since I was a week afterwards to recover, I, I think you go with your strongest team. Yeah, there's, there's absolutely, I, I don't see any, any reason. Like, like Vic said, if it, you can have a look and speak to the medical team and see if anybody does need a little mm. bit of a rest to get rid of a, an annoying little niggle that they've got, but. Other than that, it's a week between games. It's we want to finish fifth. Anybody you know, we want to finish I'll, as, as I'll, I'll, as you can. There's I'll, no, no need to rest people. I'll come at this a slightly different angle, then, Chris. Is there anybody on the fringes of the squad who may be needed in the next three, hopefully next four matches, mm. um, that needs a little bit of game time? Because mm. Borough, Borough, I think it's a good thing. I think Tony Pulis has, has kept a relatively small squad. I'm I'm a firm believer that you you try and keep the bit the, the the fundamental of your team together as much as possible right through the season and you you make changes just as and when. Is there anybody we might need that that you think if he, if he if we need him at Wembley or if we need him in the second leg against Aston Villa whoever it is, he's going to be ring rusty. Well, depending on you know if we get like an injury in the playoffs or something like that, whatever. I know what you mean by that. I mean, you know, Bamford since he got that knock hasn't. Hasn't played twenty minutes of football, so you know that that could be three, four, five weeks without playing much football for him. So does he come back in on Saturday? I think Pulis is experienced enough and sensible enough to, to know how to manage a squad. I don't like I said the workload isn't isn't too too much. It's a, it's a game a week. Um, I think Borough have re- got a reasonably clean bill of health. You know, Pete, like you said, a couple of people might have a, a few niggles, but we've mm. been touchwood quite lucky with with regards to injuries like that. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, there's, there's 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 going to be thousands of fans going down there who, who expect Borough to put out a team to, yeah. to to win the game. You know, so it it 
we've got, we need to go and try and get the three points on Saturday, build them, keep the momentum going that we've got going into the, the, the playoffs um, the following week. Um, and I think it'd be sensible to just to, to carry on as we are. You know, we've, we've won, just won three huge games. The lads will be bouncing. I'm sure that the lads will want to play, won't they? I mean, Vicky, there'll, there'll be a relatively short gap between the team flying back from Ipswich on, on Sunday night obviously the player of the year awards I think isn't it on Sunday night as well and then you've potentially got a match as early as Friday next week um, is it an opportunity uh, albeit quite a tight time frame for, for Tony maybe to take them off like I did for, for three or four days in Marbella and get them out of get them out get them out of the build up get them out of the the hype around the playoffs or, or do you think he's the kind of manager who might just think no we'll prepare like we would prepare, prepare for any other game so it worked for I think it, I think it's fair to say you could not make an argument that it worked for Borough the last time it, it certainly did before the Brentford game uh, they, they were all buzzing when they came back they had a great couple of days they'd done very little work I got to go to Twickenham for got a press some, conference got some sun on their back <laughs> <laughs> they had a table tennis tournament in the manga uh, and, and they came back uh, you know recharged refreshed mm. and raring to go uh, you could argue that they'd gone into the break with momentum anyway so it's, it's horses for courses and, and a lot of it will depend on the players uh, a lot of players as you know don't like to go away because there's nothing worse if, you, you know, if you're a family man than being cooped up in a hotel mm. room for three days when you could be having a couple of days off with the kids mm. so I, I, I do think it's horses for courses I, I think at times in the international breaks uh, Tony Pulis has given them a couple of days off uh, people have flown to their favourite hotels in Dubai or whatever uh, I think maybe a couple of days just to mm. relax after after a long hard season but, maybe personally but, away yeah, though, away just, from, just yeah. for a couple yeah. of you know, yeah. days off rather yeah, than rather taking them away, away somewhere well, you and could... that might be more beneficial than than uh, keeping everyone together and keeping the intensity there because mm. it'll pick up on, mm. on Tuesday or Wednesday no matter what happens I mean Borough at home we know that whatever happens um, would you be tempted just to take them out of it you know we're, we're going to be we're going to be banging the drum for the mm. playoffs, you know, virtually straight after the Ipswich match. We pretty much started now, to be honest. And all the press will be. There'll be there'll be the obligations for press conferences, although we won't be there. Um, the, the you know the, the, there's a lot that goes around the playoffs, isn't there? Mm. But um, what would, what do you be tempted to do? I, I personally think that um, Pulis will give the lads a couple of days away themselves I think the lads will enjoy that but you know, not they, abroad maybe yeah you know, they can go abroad if they want if they've got three days off you know I, I know that they do these little 48 hour trips to sunny climates don't they you know just with, with the wives and girlfriends mm. and families or whatever I think that's more sensible than you know the lads are in each other's pockets all day every day aren't they you know what I mean like, yeah. they, they, they do spend a lot of time together so if they are going to maybe get a little bit of time after going to recharge their own personal batteries then um, you know maybe 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 you know three days away, just go and recharge, and we, we come back. We come back Wednesday, ready to, you know, ready to go for. The and we might be tempted to do that. Uh, maybe it's not now, but Touchwood if Borough get through at the playoff final, is mm. something like a ten, eleven day gap, yeah. isn't there between between the between the second semi final and the, and the final? It's diff- yeah. it, I would imagine it's quite difficult to keep keep. You know, a team focused for that length of time between games. But anyway, we're probably getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Um, before then, Burr have got to get past the Ipswich match. And then, who would you want, fellas? I mean, it looks like it's going to be Villa, barring a real change of circumstances. Um, 
And then that battle for third, third and second place is a really intriguing one, isn't it? At the moment, Cardiff, I think, is a points advantage. They've got good at the final they've game. Got, they've got Reading at home on Sunday as well. Yeah. So we won't, we, won't get hit, we won't get carried away and start worrying about the playoff final just yet. But we know for definite we've got a playoff semi to negotiate. You know, Chris Villa, for you? Um, if, if, if you had a choice. Thought, like, my mind sort of goes from one extreme to the other with that. Um, I, well, there's been a way second. I think the whole thing would be massive against Villa because I don't think you want to be going to Villa Park with 42,000 there, you know, roaring their team on. Whereas Fulham, you know, is, 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 I'm not saying they're, a, they're, they're a, they obviously are a smaller club than, than, than Aston Villa, but I sort of get the sense that going to, going to Craven Cottage, you'd probably get that full end behind the goal, 6,000, whereas you might not get that at Villa. The fans aren't really, they don't cause that much of a ruckus at, at Craven Cottage, do they? I just think that you know that twelfth man, that second leg at Villa Park, if they need them, I think that would be a massive bonus for Villa. I get what you're saying, but you're not playing the forty thousand in the stand, are you? You're playing the eleven no, on the pitch. Certainly makes it. Oh no, no, I get that. I get that. I mean, for me personally, uh, I, I think it will be Villa. Looking at the way things are probably going to go, I don't think Borough are going to touch wood, suffer any sort of setback against Ipswich. I like the way they're playing at the moment, and you kind of think. Get get any sort of lead at the Riverside. I think mm. Borough are more than capable of getting a, a even if it's a one nil against Villa or, mm. or, or or if it's somebody else, it's somebody else. But let's say it's Villa. You go down there, forty thousand, and that can work the other way, can't it? The pressure, you know, yeah, the pressure yeah, of that situation. Yeah. Um, if Borough, I, I think you made the point Vic, before the last game. You always fancy Borough to score at the moment. Mm. Um, so. You, you kind of think, they haven't failed to score since the card. Yeah, game. so you, you kind of feel as though if Burrow, mm. if Burrow can go with a one goal lead mm. uh, to well, somewhere like Villa Park, yeah. keep it tight. You've got you've got Touchwood Triari on the break, mm. bursting forward. You know, scaring the life mm. out of uh, the Villa defence. I mean, again, getting ahead of ourselves. But you can see a scenario where that could work mm. to your advantage if you, you've got thought, You know, it's forty thousand nervous fans can be a, a, a burden sometimes, can't mm. they? Yeah, I mean, yeah. in footballing terms. I don't mind who they play. I think they're all big challenges. Both tough games, and I yeah, think, both tough. But I think Borough have the ability to, to hurt all three teams. Uh, but I hope it's Villa, because that means that Borough haven't cocked up at Ipswich. And for me, that's the most important thing, is going mm. into the, the, the semi-finals with momentum. Mm. So, you know, for the, the ideal scenario for me is beat Ipswich. Then you are playing Villa, whether you, want, you, know, whether yeah. you fancy this one or not, but you're going in... With the right momentum, mm. right, you know, with confidence and a bit of swagger. But, but Borough, Borough this season have gone to Craven Cottage and Villa Park and pick up a point in both in both away league games. And I know league games don't really make much difference when it comes to the playoffs. You know, Borough beat Norwich twice that year that we got beat at Wembley off them. So, uh, but you know, we, we do have the ability to go to these places and pick up and pick up results. Um, I think either team will be tough. I think, uh, like you mentioned there, Phil, though, the home game will be massive for Borough. Yeah, There's, you know we've got to get the Riverside bouncing for that that night or afternoon or whatever it is. Be sell out, won't it? I, I would like certainly like to think so. Yeah, um, and you know we, we, it, this is our our advantage. You know the, the, the second leg is is their advantage, so we've got to make that advantage count for the for the home leg. And you know getting a one or two a two goal lead would be huge because you do fancy Borough to go in and, and 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 get a draw if we need one. Um, we'll, we'll touch on that a bit more as the uh, next couple of weeks come around. But uh, before then, 
Uh, we can't be accused of ignoring the big, hot political issues of the day, Vic, and probably the biggest at the moment is the issue around programmes. It doesn't want to affect you so much because you're not as sad as me, no. but, 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 no. but for certain people in our, in our, in our, in our orbit, it's, it'll come as a crashing blow if, if the AFL um, vote to... Well, I'm glad you can bring yourself to talk about it after two days crying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just to just if you missed this uh, story, the, uh, the AFL clubs will be voting, um, I think it's June, isn't it? Uh, about whether or not they're obliged to produce a, a match day programme moving forward. Uh, won't affect the Premier League by the sound, so if Touchwood are in the top division next season, it won't affect us anyway. But it's an interesting one, Chris, because I've got a nice little generational divide here. You know, you're a good 30 years younger than Vic, 20 young, years younger than Miss. <laughs> 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 you look well for 70 like that. <laughs> I'm not sure I like this new passive aggressive. <laughs> 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 no, seriously though, I mean, you've, you've grown up with social media much more than, you know, it frankly didn't exist when, you know, yeah. when we were in our teens and 20s. Um, do, you think, do you see programmes as an anachronism, as, you know, a throwback to, a, 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 you know, another age? You know, you, you, we, most people now get all their information via social mm. media or via, via the internet. Um, you, what, what's your thoughts on it if, if they do disappear? I think it's, it's just the inevitable progressing of. Of, of, of the way life is in general now, um, I can see it where you know, there'll probably be some sort of yearly subscription where if you if you're in the in the vicinity of the stadium, you, you'll be able to pop onto the app and, and read the, read the program digitally. You know, come come the future. As a kid, I used to like you know my dad used to buy me them when we used to go to the games. I've got about fifty boxes full in the loft full of them. I don't buy them anymore. Um, so you know, it's a shit. I suppose. What 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 this ruling is going to give is is it's going to give um, clubs who can afford to and have got the resources to be able to produce these programs effectively, you know, without causing too much bother within within the club. But you know, there are like you mentioned, we spoke about this morning, Vic, didn't we? That you know, there'll be clubs in, in the lower leagues that that maybe struggle to put these who are obliged to provide a program that that maybe struggle to haven't got the resources to. So it'll give flexibility. Around you know some clubs yeah. who, who might I mean, not the, be able to. The drive is obviously coming from the, the smaller clubs, and you know yeah. it's all very well in the Premier League where you've got a twelve-man press office, and which three people are, yeah. are dedicated to. to That's all they program. do. Standalone yeah. program. When you go to Gillingham or Chesterfield or whatever, they, have, they, they might not even have a full-time press officer, mm. yet they're obliged to put the program out. So I can see how, for a lot of clubs, especially if you only sell three hundred <coughs> and you make. Two hundred and sixteen pounds per per edition. I yeah. see how the, there isn't the drive there. I, I do understand for a lot of people it is very much part of the day. And uh, I mean, Phil, for instance, keeps his programmes with mm. the team sheet, with his press pass, mm. and the lanyard in a little plastic envelope, yeah. filed and cross-referenced by team and, and season. Mm. <laughs> I've got six six programmes, and they're all from cup finals, and mm. I keep them as memorabilia. Yeah. I don't have any real use for a programme you know all the mm. all the facts and figures are there on your phone or you do you yeah. know you read beforehand there, there was a time when programmes were not essential but very very useful because there wasn't the, the welter of media around mm. and around there wasn't football. and there wasn't within the stadium the ability to pass information onto there wasn't yeah. other than the loudspeaker system there were very few grounds had scoreboards yeah. of any real you know, so so you, you, you clubs enough social media channels where they could instantly get news out. So. And there was I mean, young people don't understand this, but there was a time when football wasn't a juggernaut, and it might actually be quite hard for you to find out mm. what the opposition's last two or three results were. Mm. 
and who who is this guy playing at left back for them? Mm. So the results, the pen pictures of the opposition were were, were quite useful I mean, pro- little background in, bits of background information, especially in a ground where there was literally nothing to do. Mm. You'd be you'd be in the ground at quarter past two, half past two for for some games to get make sure you got your place on the terrace. Um, you'd had the, maybe a little bit of music over the PA system and that would be about it. So you'd buy your programme and read it, wouldn't yeah. you? It would be cost, whatever it was, 10, 15 pence in those days at the very start. Um, but they'd even list the teams mm. um, because teams, they, they weren't the big squad. So the, the clubs could print a programme with a fair approximation of what their starting 11s were going to be. Mm. And then there'd be an announcement say, a change to today's programme, your number seven <laughs> is now um, Peter Bryan rather than Ian Bailey, whatever it happened to be. But... As we know now, we work in the media. You 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 follow social media closely, Chris. You know the team sheets announced at two o'clock. Yeah. Everyone's seen it on their phones by two three minutes Just past. Before they get to the yeah. ground, you know. Yeah. So mm. I mean, and the program will not have that up to date information in the same way that you know newspapers have to find a new way of, of getting information and, mm. and and publishing it. But I mean, in terms of. Are the other members coming just just on the final point? Are the members coming at it the wrong way? Is, you know, do they need to produce a three pound fifty? I'm not speaking about Borough specifically, but do clubs need to produce these glossy, uh, slightly um, overly glossy, if you want, match day magazines? You know, that with the best with the best with the best will in the world, most of them are full of fairly innocuous content, which by its very nature is non-critical. Um, you know that's one of the reasons why fanzines were so popular, Vic, wasn't it? That you finally got something that speaks about the club, not necessarily necessarily what you'd agree with, but at least it was an opinion. Mm. Are they coming at it the wrong way? Do you think there's a room for some different type of, call it a program, call it a newspaper, call it a magazine? Well, di- different clubs have different needs and a different audience. And like, like for instance, when Borough first went to the um, Riverside and everything was buzzing and. It was box fresh, and uh, a red book was the accessory for Yarm's ladies who lunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only was the program a massive success and a big seller, they had Red Raw, mm. and Red Raw was well written. It had some good content. Uh, you know, we had an input. The club did their bit, and it was it was worth buying to read. There was something in there of substance. Uh, New media has made things so immediate that anything that's considered is out, of, you know, considered right is out of date mm. within two or three days. So the market's changed. I can see how big clubs will always have uh, something like a program because it's an extra revenue stream. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many they sell at Man United in Liverpool to all those those tourists that turn up, but you know, it must be ten, twenty thousand copies of yeah. the program. And at three quid a shot, that's a lot of money. Mm. So, so if you can make money out of mm. it, and you've got the staff to do it, I think there's there's always going to be the audience there. Yeah. For the smaller clubs, the problem they problem they have is there will always be an audience because there's always people who don't feel like they've beaten the match unless they bought a program. Mm. But there isn't the revenue there, yeah, the and they probably right. haven't got the staff. Yeah. So for them, it's it's quite a task to produce it. Yeah. But the demand will always be there. I mean, I've been in Northern League matches where there's nearly been riots outside the pie <laughs> pie kiosk because they've run out of programs, yeah. and that, that's even in the, you know where there's a crowd of 120. I suppose you know you, what. The programme, if you look at it from start to finish, the first pages are um, the manager's thoughts on usually the previous game and um, the, coming a, a, a com- the coming game, a welcome to, you know, to, to, to the opposition team. Whereas, you know, Tony Pugh does his press conference on a Friday, it's on, it's on Twitter and Facebook within 
25 minutes on that Friday morning so fans already know what he thinks about the last game and, and you know one, one thing that maybe we should be worth saying is that for a lot of people the programme is it encapsulates it's your the, memories of the that day, day. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, the yeah. content of it are actually irrelevant it's just but your the fact that you've yeah. got the programme from, mm. from the, you know, mm. the, the Stoya semi-final for mm. instance you're never going to read it that, mm. but it's something tangible Mm. that proves you're at the match yeah, and it yeah, channels yeah. your memory mm. so maybe maybe there's a market for something a lot smaller and a lot cheaper mm. but that does mm. that it's, does it's that a, job you know, a little bit different to, to the programme but you know, it, from a collectible point of view people keep the ticket stubs don't they mm. you know. I, do, I, keep, I don't keep programmes anymore I still keep ticket stubs but, <laughs> you must uh, have a big house here you've not seen his warehouse it's got a lock up and all I'll say is I'll be buying my copy of the Tractor Boy Times on Sunday even if you lot aren't but no uh, on that note it's uh, thanks for joining us gentlemen and uh, hopefully Borough get the right results here Tipswich on Sunday and we'll be back soon building up to that playoff semi-final first leg thanks for joining us Wembley <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>